Christ, asking him to forgive you. And then you know that the Lamb is alive. And he's alive to help you and to be with you. To give you comfort, to give you strength in your life. He is with you all the time. And if you accept this wedding invitation, then you will see the Lamb who is alive. Go home and read Revelation 4 and 5. Two wonderful chapters. In which we read about thousands upon thousands of angels. Thousands upon thousands of Christians around the throne of God before the Lamb crying out, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. The Lamb who lives forever. And the wedding feast that will go on forever and ever. Oh, we enjoy wedding feasts, don't we? We enjoy going to the party of a friend. Of course we do. We'd be very sad people if we didn't. Of course we enjoy that. Oh, but that's nothing compared to the joy of being in the presence of God forever. Nothing compared to the joy of being at the marriage supper of the Lamb. So the Son is a Lamb and he is getting married. Now when there's a wedding, invitations are sent, aren't they? Invitations. There's a sample invitation. Well, in the parable that Jesus told, the story Jesus told, the invitations were delivered by the servants. They went to the people, said, here's an invitation from the king to the wedding of his son. And he wants you to come. But we read that they paid no attention. They just made light of it. So what? But an invitation from a king to his son's wedding was a command to be there. Oh, so what? They just shrugged their shoulders. We've got other things to do. And so the servants told the king, he said, well, go and invite them again. Tell them I want them to be there and they must come. And when they came back with the invitations the second time, the people who had been invited actually killed the servants. Ah, so what? They killed them. The king was so angry that he punished those who had killed the servants. Who are the servants? Well, in the context of the parable, the servants were the prophets. (coughs) And people killed the prophets. They didn't want to listen. We don't want to hear God's word. But we come with a message from God. We're calling you to come to him. Oh, they killed the prophets. And then many examples of that in the Bible, in what we call the Old Testament. But who are the servants who bring the invitation to you and me? Well, they might be Christian parents. Pray with their children each day. And they're telling the children, well, the Lord wants you to come to him. And and to confess your sins. To say that you're very sorry for your sins. And he wants you to trust him. And and Jesus has died on a cross for you. And and the parents are delivering the invitation. Will the children receive it? Sunday school teachers. Youth workers. They're giving out the invitation. Week by week. 
in their lessons, in the talks they give at the youth club, they are saying, God is inviting you to come to the wedding feast. But some won't listen. Pastors, preachers, faithfully <coughs> preach and teach from the Bible. Are giving out an invitation week by week. Come to the Saviour, trust him. And they're always talking, aren't they, about Jesus dying on a cross and we are sinners and God is holy and we can only come to God through Jesus Christ. Come! But what are we going to do with the invitation? We're going to turn a deaf ear. We're going to say, I've got more important things to do. In the parable, the king said, come, all things are ready. It's the best party you'll ever come to, the best wedding you'll ever attend. There's food, there's drink, there's everything. I've done everything necessary. You've but come. And God says to us, I've done everything necessary. My son has died on a cross for sinners like you. And there's nothing you need to do. You needn't pay to come to the wedding, it's free. You needn't pay by being good, by being baptized. Important as those things are. You don't pay by praying. You don't pay by being very good for none of us can ever be good enough. God says, come, come, everything's ready. Just as the king said, everything is ready. All you have to do is to come. But some of them had more important things to do. We read in the parable that some went to their farms. They went to their businesses. There were so many things they wanted to do rather than go to the royal wedding. Has anything changed? People are much the same today. We've got more important things to do. We're so busy, we don't have time to think about the gospel. We don't have time to come to Christ. We're so busy, our lives are so full. From the moment I get up, I'm busy. I've got my work to do, I've got my children to bring up, I've got to earn a living, I've got to pay my bills, I've got to keep the children in food and clothes. I don't have time, I'm too busy. You won't have time, you say you haven't got time. But time is rushing by. You don't have time when you're young, you want to enjoy yourself, have fun. Get into middle age and you don't have time. You've got all the bills to pay and you've got your work to do and the mortgage to pay. You get older and you retire. Oh, you should have plenty of time. Oh, I haven't got time now. I'm too set in my ways. You can't teach a dog new tricks. And, and you get into old age and then you get... Body starts wearing out. Can't hear like you could. Can't see like you could. You can't... Get around like you could, the mobility's gone, and before long you've lost your marbles and you can't understand anything anyway. <laughs> and you die. And you weren't ready. And you never had time. Well, you'll have time to die, you'll have time to be shut out of heaven. Oh, don't be foolish. Stop, think. This is the most important thing you could ever consider. That you're a soul that must go on forever and there is a God who will either receive you into heaven or shut you out. It's too important to say I haven't got time. You must make time. We make time for the things we want to do, don't we? If you're interested in a television programme, you make time to watch it. But Coronation Street, I don't watch it, but whatever. I do like heartbeat, you know. We make time for the things we want to do, don't we? Make time for our hobbies. Make time 
for our friends. Make time. Make time. That's the message of this parable. Make time. Don't leave it too late. Get ready. So some went off to their farms. They invited. They made light of it, we read in the uh, Bible. So the father says, come. The son says, come. The servants say, come. But what did those who were invited say? They said, no. We're not coming. We're too busy. We've got other things we need to do and must do. I think there should come up some... Oh, they were not willing to come, it says. That's very sad. Not willing to come. The invitation's there, come. The king has said, come. God has said, come. But they weren't willing to come. If you perish and go to hell, it won't be because God wasn't willing to receive you. It will be because you weren't willing and you wouldn't come. I think someone else could jump. They made excuses and they killed the servants. I've jumped ahead of the, of the PowerPoint. Never mind. There we are. Tractors and hay. They're familiar to some of you, aren't they? When you're in your farming, they'd rather go to their farms, to their businesses, other things to do. Jesus said, not in the parable, but elsewhere in the Gospels, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? We'll go to our farming and our business and our recreations and our sports. That's what is more important to us than seeking God and knowing God. So what's more important to you? than knowing God and seeking God. What will you give in exchange for your soul? For some it's pleasure of various sorts, it's sports, it's education, it is their marriages, they're very important of course. It is our careers, our recreations, all kinds of things. Take up time, energy, thought, money, and we don't have time for God, I have been saying, and, and God doesn't get a look in and we don't consider God. So the invited said no. So the king says, but I've got a wedding and we must have guests. So he said to the servants, right, if the people who've been invited won't come, then you must go out into the streets, into the byways and highways, wherever you can, and find people and bring them and compel them to come into the wedding. I think there should be a picture of an old chap there. There he is, look. They went and found people like that on the street. And they said, come. Like, oh, come, I'm not dressed for a wedding. Don't you worry about that. You'll get something to wear when you get there. You, you don't invite people to meet to a wedding. Yes, yes, it's a royal wedding, and we want you to come. The king says you must come. It's a bit like inviting, getting married. And it's a bit like going round the streets of Potton, or probably see them more in Bedford. Uh, and there's an old tramp, smelly. He's in the bar for years. His feet are showing through his shoes. Holes in his trousers. Right, mate. You're coming to a royal wedding. What, me? Yes, you, mate. You're coming. The king says you've got to come. <coughs> 
That's like that. That's just like that. And spiritually, we're like the man there. We haven't got anything. We're poor. We're destitute. We can't pay for anything. And God says, come, come. Spiritually, yes, you're poor. You're destitute. You've got nothing. You are nothing. You can't contribute anything to being a Christian. But come. I want you to come. And everybody who receives the invitation, everybody who says, yes, I'll come, is welcome and heaven will open to them. So come. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what your education or lack of it is. Doesn't matter what you put in your bank account. Much or little, nothing. Doesn't matter what kind of family you've come from. God says, come. You may come. What, me? Yes, you may come. Me, with all my background, my family, all the things I've done and seen and know. Yes, you may come. The trouble is something they don't need to come. But God says, come. So come. So, what's coming up next? Those who said no are here it comes. The people who think they are good. And the next bit is, and the people who say yes are those who know they are bad. That's what Jesus is talking about. The people who think they are good say no. In Jesus' time he had in, in his mind the Pharisees, very strict religious Jewish leaders. They said, no, no, we don't need all this talk about forgiveness. We are not sinners. We are good and, and God will surely be pleased with us. And that's like many people who go to church. It's okay for those people out there. They're really bad people. And of course, they need to be forgiven. They're very bad. We are good. We are good. We're religious. We are moral. We never do anybody any harm. Surely God would love us if we do the best we can. But no, no, God says, sums down to you. People who think they are good in God's sight, you're bad. But the people who said yes are the people who know they are know they're bad. They know their sins. People like Zacchaeus up the tree. Remember Zacchaeus? Tax collector. Greedy. On the fiddle, making money by cheating people. Nobody likes Zacchaeus. But Zacchaeus met Jesus and his life was changed. He was bad. And yet, God forgave him. He accepted the invitation when Jesus says, come, come, Zacchaeus. People like a woman, of whom we read in Luke 7, the woman who was a sinner, put it bluntly, she was a prostitute. She made her money by, well, you know what that's about. And she met Jesus and her life was changed. She was bad. Nobody liked this woman. She was disgusting. She was filthy. She's immoral. She made her money through men's lust. But she was changed. God forgave her. She accepted the invitation. She came. And heaven's door was open to her. It's a danger, isn't it? Oh, we're good, we're religious, we go to church, we think we're all right. No, 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 we're sinners. God has to receive us. And he will if we come to him. But what about when the wedding actually took place then, the wedding? 
the guests came in and the king came in a little later and there he saw a man who didn't have on the right clothes that's very important if you're invited to a wedding you want to have your best clothes on if you're the bridegroom you want a new suit buy a new suit and I got married lost weight the suit won't wear won't fit me now there we go not the very best wedding dress you could have. Oh. Remember that moment if you got married? When you're standing at the front with your best man and you're thinking, what would the bride look like? And then you sneak along. Oh, doesn't she look amazing? Best bride I've ever seen. But he was a man who had the wrong clothes. But you say, he'd come off the street. You can't expect him to be clothed wearing his best suit. He hasn't got a best suit. All he's got is his rags. But you see, in weddings in Bible times, you'd be given some clothes as you went in. So the rich couldn't be proud. We've got better clothes than you. And the poor couldn't be embarrassed because they didn't have anything to wear that King's servants say, here is a robe, you must put it on, and you're welcome to the feast and eat and drink all you like. And the king sort of looked at him, he stood out like a sore thumb. Friend, he says, what are you doing here without the right clothes? How did you get in? Somehow he sneaked in. What's the meaning of this then? Well, the Bible says that we're sinners. And now sin is like filthy rags that smells and is awful. Offensive to God. But God takes off the filthy rags and gives us what the Bible calls the robe of Jesus' righteousness. What does all that mean? It means God says to you who are a sinner, I forgive you. Why do I forgive you? Because I've treated my own son Jesus as if he were a sinner. As if he had all the filthy rags. As if he had offended me. And I treat you though you're a sinner, I treat you as if you had never sinned. I take away the filthy rags and I give you this wonderful new coats of righteousness and God says I declare you not guilty because I declared my own son Jesus guilty when he died on that cross isn't that wonderful that's in the picture here of the man who didn't have the right clothes and Jesus says to him the, the king says friend God says to you and me friend will you stand your sin. Will you stay in the filthy rags of your sin? Will you not come to me and I will give you a new clothes, a new robe, and I'll forgive you? You can't, the man can't stay in the wedding in his filthy rags. You can't come to God. You will not be accepted by God. You cannot come into heaven unless you are forgiven, unless you have this wonderful robe of righteousness that God gives to you. It's a sad piece of the story. We read that the king said to the servants, take that man, put him outside 
into the darkness, the outer darkness. Oh, it's bright and it's light and it's rejoicing and it's a happy place to be in the wedding. But this man is put outside the door and it's dark and it's miserable and it's unpleasant. Jesus is saying there's a place of outer darkness. It's called hell. That's a theme that often runs through Jesus' teaching, especially in some of these parables, these stories. There's a heaven. And accepting the invitation is like accepting the invitation to heaven. It's a feast that goes on forever. Joy, satisfaction, contentment that never, never ends. The wedding feast must end, but not the heavenly wedding feast. But there's a fearful alternative. It's called hell, the outer dark. There's a place of crying and anguish and grief and pain more than we can ever understand oh where are you going to heaven or will you be shut out in the outer darkness of hell get ready that was the theme of the other story I told the children of the bridesmaids get ready get ready now by coming to God through Jesus trusting him to forgive you, to receive you when should you come? come now oh I'll put it off till I'm older, no 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 you may not get older some have died as young people come now, oh I'll come when I get older and I'm ready to die come now you may not have time to think and to repent come now while you've got your mind working your faculties come now come now to the Lord Jesus Christ we look to the father the son the servants the invited the wedding gloves come now that's what I want you to think about that's what I want to leave with you come now go home and read the story in Matthew 22 think about it think about what we've been talking about this morning realise how important this is that you should come to God now through Christ. Let's pray. So our God, we thank you then for these parables that Jesus taught us.